Welcome to this podcast of Center of Use Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I am joined by my long-tenured co-host, Lucas. We're, we're actually making this a habit now, aren't we? Especially <laughs> to start the season anyways, where it's uh, you and I. Welcome back. How have you been? I've been good. We're just getting back to the roots here. That's all. We, uh, yeah. We'll, it, we'll cut Anthony some slack. You've been a busy boy. Yeah, and, and you know what? We still have to introduce our brand new team member to our audience as well. So hopefully we can have uh, Lucas 2.0 on uh, shortly as well. So uh, right. that'll be really fun to get his insights as well. Um, but it's funny. You know, here we are. You know, we're, we're what, four, you know, after tonight's game, um, you know, four games into the season. And you would think that we were at game 50 based on all the angst and concern that we saw um, you know, after the first three games of the year, you know, before we kind of, you know, delve into some specifics, um, I kind of want to get your overall view of what you thought, you know, from the first three games and, uh, you know, and kind of what your thoughts are on some of the, the hot takes we've seen so far. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately we have to record before the Tuesday game, so we don't get that game. Um, so we don't get to comment on that game per se, but as for the three games, that I've seen so far, uh, you know the way I am, man. I'm I'm optimistic. I don't I don't read too much into certain stuff, and and I'm I'm gonna keep that that same motto, that same rhythm. I'm not gonna read too much into what I've seen. I think the team's been fine. Obviously, there's, there's lapses in, in defensive coverage, and they don't look great offensively, but they are missing a potential 50 goal scorer. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not one to make excuses, but I mean let's let's call a spade a spade here. They're they're playing without Austin yeah. Matthews, so that's that's a very large chunk of their offense. Um, you also got to understand too that, and I'm sure all of Toronto media has had conversations like such, but this is a brand new team. Really. When you think about it, there's what four or five yeah. new guys just on offense and, and you, you, they're all trying to get, get used to one another, figure out how each other plays. And, and especially when you're playing with guys like Mitch Marner, like he's so creative. You almost, you almost have to, you have to understand how he's about to play to be in the right spots because you can't just be thrown yeah. with Mitch Marner and then say, here, go play because players like yeah. that just, it, it doesn't work. And, and you're seeing it um defensively i think they've been okay I, i'm not gonna say they've been good I, again it's too early to, to to comment specifically on defense um in goaltending it's just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh i i have no words for that other than it, it genuinely just makes me laugh that we are three games well i guess four games now four games into the season and goalie controversy yeah it's and it, the way i look at it is is i don't and I, I, I've grown frustrated with the game by game analysis because the same people that will blow up a loss kind of go to the shadows when they win. So it's like you, you can't just be there to shit on the team and then not be there to praise them when they play well. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't think that they, outside of the second game against Ottawa, I don't think they started the games well. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but this team, you know, with all the changes to the roster and everyone kind of feeling themselves out, um, I kind of anticipated it. And I, and I said this going into the season, um, you know, if you're a gambling person, always bet the underdog, you know, the first two weeks of the season, because everyone's still trying to get settled in. No one knows their defensive game. Like, why isn't anyone talking about Tampa's first game against Detroit, where they had to score a touchdown to even come away with a W like, you know, 
we have to start not just being so leaf centric and, and and I know we're a leafs um podcast but there's more than just the leafs in the NHL you know and when you start looking across the league then you start to kind of put where the leafs are into a little bit more context you know what i mean like i'm not going to panic at game 3 you know and the same concerns i have you know at game 82 or once we turn the page to the playoffs are obviously going to be different but I'm going to hold those concerns to that point. I'm going to look at, you know, maybe a, a seven to 14 game stretch where, you know, I want to give this team some time to work out any quirks that they might have. I want to give new players into the team, you know, an opportunity to adjust and get used to one another. Um, and I'm not too concerned about the goalie controversy. Like stuff happens in sport, you know, who could have predicted that Justin Hall and Morazic would go down at the same weekend. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, they needed to use Lilligren in the roster because if Hall was healthy, we wouldn't have needed Lilligren. Right. And then if we didn't need Lilligren, then we would have had Hutchinson back up. Like, we're talking about a goalie that didn't even play a second on Saturday night. And it became a huge story because guys like Sid Sixero made it an issue. And everyone with their anti-Dubas, anti-Leaf bias and anger from last year were looking for that confirmation bias to continue that anger instead of taking a step back and saying, we can't change last year. Let's focus on this year. It's not a big deal. Let's move on. You, you know what? I agree. I agree 100% with what you're saying, but I, I don't think that in this market, we can be rational and I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw we, because in reality, we all have irrational thoughts as Leaf fans. I mean, yes. let's be honest. Oh no, here. most it, definitely. Yeah. It, it fades. I, like uh, speaking for myself, I might, not be as bad as, as someone else and that other person might be even less than I but I do agree in the sense that it, it's early um, we, we really shouldn't be worried but if I'm going to play devil's advocate it, it just seems it just seems too obvious and and I mean that in in the, the literal sense like it's just so obvious that Mrazic got hurt you know it's it's yeah. obvious that the Leafs kind of have I'm not going to call it scoring woes but they just don't look great offensively um, it, it, it's obvious that Ottawa had to be like, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Pat. If you think I didn't bet the Ottawa senators game, the first game they played them, like you're nuts as a, as a yeah. gambling man who, who knows, who knows the Leafs, you just had to see it. You, you had to see it was, yeah. it was inevitable that the senators were going to come out firing game one of the season against yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs are it's written in the stars. And, and to yeah. me personally, that's why I don't read into things because you have to look at what's going on. You have to understand that the senators this this was their Stanley Cup, and and I don't mean that yeah. in the sense where it's like they're not going to play the, the next eighty one games, but beating the Toronto Maple Leafs game one meant everything to to Ottawa and nothing to Toronto. And as yeah. fans, it means a lot because obviously the last thing you want to do is is watch your team lose, especially after the way they went out last year and the whole summer and yada yada yada. But let's be honest here that that, that game specifically, the Senators the Senators had to win, they, like for 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 themselves as a team, they had to win that game and. Toronto wasn't there yet. It is what it is. And, you know, they obviously rebounded and you could tell that they play a hell of a lot different in front of Jack Campbell. And it's not a shot on Mrazic. Yeah. I've only seen him in that once with, with the Leafs. But yeah. you, you just, and I don't know if you got that as well. And I don't know if you can speak to that, but I got this vibe. And, and it was even, even last year too, when Campbell was in that over Anderson, that these boys just, they trust Campbell maybe. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this more of as an experience. And I'm not saying I played high level hockey. I'm just saying from my experience there's always there's always a goalie you, you kind of trust a little bit more you know when you get in the locker room and you ask your goalie who's starting tonight and he tells you him you, you have a little smirk 
you hear the other guy yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. All right. We got, we got to dig deep tonight, you know? And I'm not saying Razak's going to be that guy for Toronto, but I'm just saying that even, even in the first three games, you, you kind of get that sense. Yeah. And Jack Campbell has earned that. You know what right. I mean? Like he's earned that trust from his teammates and it's not, it's not a knock against Morazic and it's even not a knock against Freddie last year, but Campbell's played well. And it does, you know, it's, and I know that the Leafs are going to try this whole tandem thing, but they're, but deep down in these players' mind is they like that stability that Jack brings and it allows them to play differently. It, you know, maybe it allows them to cheat more to get that offense going. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's not even speaking to the big hole in the roster, which is the Rocker Richard winner not playing the first three games because it's not just one player and it's not, and I hate this silly argument that people make was, well, Mitch Marner needs, if Mitch Marner needs Austin Matthews and maybe he's not the player that he is, that's not the way to look at it. It's everyone begins to start shifting down a spot in the totem pole. And then that's where they begin to excel. Like, you know, having John Tavares back with William Nylander because they had that chemistry from last year should get John going. You know, if we look at the lines they had at practice, having a guy like Michael Bunting on that, on that second line uh, and having Austin back with Mitch Marner, and I believe it's Nick Ritchie, if, if I remember the lineups correctly. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. Right? Like, everyone begins to slot in their natural role, and it helps everyone else out. Like, that third line now for Toronto with Kerfoot, Kasha, and Kemp, that can score. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to just be that shutdown line because Kerfoot has proven that he has the offense. You know, I believe I saw a stat, and it may have even been in Anthony's blog. By the way, everyone, go check out Anthony Sino's blog on the Serenation Nation Great blog. Um, blog site. Great blog because he breaks each player, uh, each new player down, as well as, you know, the big four. But I believe he had a stat that, with Kasha on the ice, the Leafs had like a 60.6 goals for percentage. You know, like he's had an impact. You know, he hasn't scored yet, but he's influencing on the offensive side of the game, which, you know, if you're playing offense, then you're not work- playing defense. You know what I mean? And it's, it's easing the workload on the goalies. You know, you're not starting, you know, a period or, you know, in your, in your own zone where you might cough up the pack. You know what I mean? Like just having that little bit of a, an extra dynamic that's still working its way through the roster is a huge selling point for me. So that's why like when I looked at the first three games, I wasn't panicking, you know, like I'm looking big you know picture, what, you know, I, and I, and I agree totally, but then, and, and this is the problem because you try and not look at other teams, you know, you stay in your lane, only worry about you. But then you see things like the Florida Panthers, you know what I mean? Like they, they go and dominate Pittsburgh, then they go and dominate the Islanders. And you're just like, hey, why, why, why can they? Why, why, why are they able to put it together? And But maybe the Islanders aren't the team that everyone thought. That maybe like, we're starting yeah. to see, you know what I mean? Like there's Kings in Pittsburgh. Like do they have Crosby and Malkin? I thought they were both injured. They are both injured, but Pittsburgh did go on and win the next game, and they they beat the they beat the Blackhawks at some point. Like I I understand what you're saying, and and I, there's obviously justification for everything. I mean, the Sabers are two and zero, are they not? Or yeah, yeah they're yeah, two and zero. Yeah, I, I don't think the they've Coyotes, lost again. They they smacked the Habs, so that's hilarious. But I, I'm just saying, playing devil's advocate, I do I do understand that side of it. I'm just more of a patient Leafs fan, where to me it's yeah. like there's 80 there's 83 more games you know what i mean like let's relax yeah. here let's start let's start freaking out late november early december when they're below 500 type stuff but 
Yeah, like American Thanksgiving. That's the benchmark. If you're in the playoffs at that point, it's hard for you unless you have a total collapse. And mind you, we've seen it happen here in Toronto where, you know, the, the 18-wheeler goes off the cliff. But I just don't see it with this team. I don't. I, you know, and that's not to guarantee our listeners that they're going to win the cup this year. But I see a different element. Like, Michael Bunting brings something that Zach Hyman could never. You know, like, there's a portion of Michael Bunting's game that Zach Hyman can't bring. You know, he's faster than Hyman. He's younger than Hyman. You know, he seems to even like mucking it up more than Hyman. You know, like, Michael Bunting could be our contemporary uh, Darcy Tucker. Where, you know, he has some offensive flair, but likes to muck it up. Doesn't mind throwing the fists. You know, and, and I still think that Nick Ritchie will get going. You know, at, at the end of the day, I still see him as a valuable player. And maybe he doesn't put up the points in the regular season where the game's a little bit faster. But I think he'll, he'll have an impact in the playoffs where the game slows down and it's more to his style. Yeah, you, and you know what? Even with Nick Ritchie, it's, it's basically the same thing as Wayne Simmons. Like, Wayne Simmons didn't start off that hot last year. Okay, he chipped in a couple times, but at the end of the day, it's not like he was putting up goals every night, putting up points every night, right? Like, it's like, guys, like, they're basically the same player, except one's a little bit older at this point. They're, they're, yeah. they have the same style of play. It's, it's, it's hard work, grit, get the puck in deep, get rebounds, get greasy goals. I mean, Simmons has a little bit more skill, I guess, but if you're comparing them right now at the same age, Simmons and... Simmons and Richie are, are basically one and one. And it's like, yeah, we're going to freak out about Nick Richie right now. Like there's bigger problems in my eyes. Just realistically, the fact that Tavares and Marner have, well, Marner's had a couple of chances, but Tavares is like, he's been, he's been all right. He's, he's been, he's been a good second line center. And if, yeah. if John Tavares was Toronto's first line center right now, I, I'd be worried. I'd be and worried. Um, yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like there's, there's bigger problems than worrying about Nick Richie. Right. Oh Yeah. And that kind of actually brings us to the next topics. I know it became, it became you know, a, a Twitter thread was Timothy, the play of Timothy Littlegren. And it's like, man, like this kid ha- hasn't had any breaks since coming into the AHL and, and, and coming up, you know, in the Leaf system. You know, didn't he suffer like, uh, you know, a season ending concussion in like, what was it, his first or second year? And then we've had what, back-to-back years of COVID where he hasn't seen a lot of ice time. And I right. think that he's acclimatized himself well in the, you know, in that game on Saturday. Like, I don't know what people want from these kids. Like, let them develop. Let them make their mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. He's a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, it's just, it, it's more of the same Toronto mess. It's like, you got to come in. You can't make mistakes. You know, everyone feels the pressure of the, of the, of the Stanley Cup drought. I get that. But let's exhale a bit. Like, let's just let these guys play. You know, like, let's not be writing off, you know, a guy like Timothy Lurgren, who I feel has a high ceiling, which I think that, you know, I, I think with given more ice time, you know, more, you know, maybe a little bit longer of a leash to make mistakes. I think he'll be an excellent defenseman. And I think that he could be an excellent replacement for Justin Hall on that second pairing. I really do. And if it's not him, then it's Sandin. But I see a place in the Leafs defense top six that includes a Timothy Lilligren. And I, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. I, I agree totally. I like the rejuvenation of the youth and the back, back end there. And to be honest with you, like, does he play that much differently than Justin Hall? Because to be honest with you, I see some similarities in their defensive game, maybe not offensive. I think Lilligren's a little bit better offensively, but, and, and a little bit better of a skater, but defensively they, they seem kind of the same and they, they just do their job. And, 
and really like if the puck's off their stick quickly and effectively out of the zone, then, then they had a good shift and it was a positive thing to take back to the bench. And if we're yeah. going to be sitting here worried about the seventh defenseman, again, there's just, there's, there's bigger issues. In, there's bigger in issues, man. And I have no problem with Lilligren getting reps, especially this early in the season. I'd rather him have his reps now in the season than, Oh, we lost hall. We lost Brody. And now it's returning the yeah. corner and it's April and Lilligren's playing his sixth game of the year. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so to be honest with you, I'll take this any day of the week. I would love for Lilligren to play as many minutes as he can because one, I trust Campbell. Two, the Leafs are genuinely supposed to just be a better team than most teams they play. So if they're getting into a little bit of a running gun, four, three, five, four type game, what, what, what's a better time for Lilligren to learn than this early in the season when Toronto's still able to make up goals and the games aren't as tight and as physical, right? Yeah, and, and he's got a physical element that everyone likes to ignore. Like, he did it again on Saturday. He felt a hit coming, and he did that reversed hit. You know what I mean? And then knocked the guy from Ottawa down. Like, he's got some edge. We just need to give these kids some time. Like, there were people last year that were writing off Sandy. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? You know, like, it's like we've never learned. And, and, and I say this not just from the fan base, but from the media who continues to push out these silly and ridiculous narratives. Why is it that every other team can develop a player, but Toronto can't? Like, why is it that every other team can bring up a rookie and, and allow him to make his mistakes? Like, Hughes in Vancouver, he didn't have a really good defensive year last year. Do you think that the media and the fans of Vancouver want that kid traded? No. They accept that it's part of the learning curve. You know, Shabbat in Ottawa, he's had his lumps. You know what I mean? Like, you have to, at some point, you have to be given an opportunity to not only play, but given a leash enough that if you're going to make a mistake, that you'll be able to be put back on the ice to show that you can make that up. And I thought he played really well. There was that one shot block that I, I thought Lilligren, you know, played it perfectly. You know what I mean? After that little giveaway. Yep. I don't know what more people can expect from a seventh defenseman at this point. I really don't. I agree. This early in the season, too. Like, we, we, it's not an excuse, but. It, it, it is like it's not but it is because it, it genuinely is the fourth game of the season like everybody has to get back into but, it it's not it's not something that this guy can just step on the ice and become the best defenseman and it, it's learning curves obviously he's, he's learning how to be become an NHL become a consistent NHLer it yeah. comes it comes it's the lumps like Morgan Riley wasn't anything special his first year sure he's grown no. into be something special but like this is what happens it takes time and I understand that the fans are impatient I understand that you know time is Time is really not what they have at this point because of the cap crunch, because of, you know, aging veterans. But with players like this, you have to give them time. You have to give them experience. You have to give them. You can't um, scare them. And that's like, also it too, it, right? Like, no, like you can't like, and I know some fans would have liked to see this is, you know, if you made a mistake, you bench him. Yep. That doesn't help his development. It, it just doesn't folks. No, because it, he's not going to want to make those plays that. No he'll get away with again because he's so worried about constantly possibly getting repercussions for a mistake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, it, it, he, it has to be like mistakes. You got to take the plus with the minuses at this point in his development, because I, I don't, I don't see what everyone likes Travis Dermott. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I, why, why does he get a longer leash where Timothy Lilligren doesn't? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I think it has, it's like recency bias, Pat, if I'm being honest with you, it's all, you know, Dermot was great. What was it? Two years ago when it was his rookie year or that he finally made it in two, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, three seasons ago, maybe. Um, it, it's just, 
hey, he's been great. Him and Hall had that. I was at that game, by the way, when they both scored their first goals. Unbelievable. Electric game. Um, but they had those, those games where it was like, nice. These, are, these guys are Toronto Maple Leafs. And they, yeah. they make the team again the next year. And Hall has that, let, that you know, lunch pail type story where it's he grinded, he grinded, he grinded. He finally got that two-year contract extension. Now he's a full-time NHLer. And it's like, it's like Toronto fans kind of just, just fell in love with these players, which is totally okay. But, but you're right in saying, what is the difference between Logan making those mistakes and Hall making those mistakes? Because Gardner was chased out of Toronto for those mistakes. I yes. don't want Lilgren chased out of Toronto for these mistakes. So, so where does the give? Like at some point, us fans have to sit back and just say, you know what? He's a kid. Because he's a kid. It's a kid. He's it's a kid. And you know what? We we look at these athletes as if they're robots that somehow can, you know, like the coach can kind of, you know, update their programming, give them some software upgrades and and send them back out on the ice. Like they're humans. They have distractions that are bigger than we ever know sometimes off the ice. Like, you know, I just, I don't like the fact that, and, you know, and this comes up every time the Leafs lose, oh, they don't have enough heart. You know what? You lace them up and play in Toronto for an 82 game season and tell me if that doesn't grind you. That every mistake gets blown out of proportion by the fans, by the media. You know, it, it's either, and we do this, it's either we're building statues or we're burning them down. There's no, there's, there's no in between, you know? And it, it's just like one hot take after another hot take after another hot take, you know? And, and the same thing needs to be said even about Dubas. He's never been given an opportunity. You know, he's had a, a bunch of really bad luck. But like, we have to just like, if we're ever gonna win, then we can't be doing leafy things and not developing players properly, trying to rush them, not allowing them to make their mistakes, to grow from them, you know, not allowing a GM the time he needs to really set his plan in motion are all factors that always saw us negatively impacting our opportunities to win in Toronto. And so many are clinging on that hope that we can go back to that same strategy where we're constantly booting people out. It never worked for 54 years. Why do we think it's going to work now? I, I just don't know that. And I'm going to throw that out to you because maybe you have an answer because I don't. I, uh, to be honest with you, I'd be the last one to have an answer. And that's solely because I wasn't around for the better part of the Leafs history. So that, that early nineties, mid nineties, um, I definitely like 93. I wasn't around for obviously I was born in 97. So that the early nineties, I wasn't really there for. So I don't, I don't recall that. I just off memory, off Google, whatever. And even the early two yeah. thousands, I was born in the late nineties. So the early two thousands with the Sundin, McGillian, all those guys, when they, you know, when they beat Ottawa, was it 04, whatever it was? Like, I don't, I don't remember those days. So I don't remember how the team was necessarily structured and, and what was going on. But from what I can tell and from what I remember being a Leaf fan, like it makes, it almost makes no sense as to why fans can't let go of the past because the past is, is completely different and the NHL has changed so much and it's, it's proven in the Tampa yeah. Bay Lightnings and the Washington Capitals, how long it took for them to win the cup. Like, like Tampa Bay went to the finals. What was it? Two, one time for sure than lost conference final, however many times before they finally won. Like it, it genuinely takes a long time to learn how to win. And, and you know, the old, the old adage, you got to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. Or I understand that. And at this point, the Leafs have learned how to lose. How, oh my God. Oh yeah. I'm an English major, by the way, the Leafs That's have enough. learned how to lose. And yes, and, it's evident that, that there's no more time for them to learn how to lose. Now it's about winning. So yeah. sure, maybe this year we need to put uh, apply a lot more pressure at least. But 
as far yeah. as thinking about the past and worrying about old the old Maple Leafs hockey and the way it used to work, like that has to be so far out the window. It, it can't be in our sight anymore. No, it can't be. And I and I think that if you look back, it always came to the team's detriment that they never won. You know, and you can look at every era. Really, the closest thing that they had was '93. And a blown referee call may have changed the entire direction of that 93 playoffs. But, like, you look at the Sundin era. Yeah, they're making it to the semifinals. But then where did they lose? When they faced a team with just a tad more talent. You know, and the biggest drawback of all of Sundin's years here in Toronto, he never had a winger. Like, as much as I like Darcy Tucker, he never – he like, you know, we brought in Alex McGillney on the tail end of his career. We brought in Gary Roberts at the tail end of his career. You know, those teams were flawed. You know, just because they made it to the semifinals, age and the, the flaws in the roster always ended up exposing them at some point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they bullied the Ottawa Senators. And they, they kept on winning those series. Like, it was essentially a gimme. But as soon as the talent uptick, they lost. But every, every one of those teams had their flaws. You know, and we saw with Burke, Burke's era was a complete shit show. It was a trainer. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you know, this has been a... Burke's era was actually hilarious. To be honest, before we wrap this up, Burke's era was, was so bad. I still think it's absolute comedy that anybody refers to that era. Like, it, it's almost like, like he did what he had to do. And I understand some of the trades he made. It, hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, he would rather have had Tuka Rask and Tyler Say. Like, obviously, that these are the guys that... But he didn't make that. That was JFJ, the Tuka Rask. Right, 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 right. The Tuka Rask one was. But uh, what, what I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that, obviously, hindsight's 2020, and those are the players that maybe would have helped Toronto be a little bit better quicker. But then yeah. again, all, all of what's happened in the history has made Toronto to exactly where they are today, which is exactly what Leaf fans want. Like, like this team is exactly what Toronto Maple Leaf fans want. And... Yes. I just hope we don't we don't push them away. <laughs> no, it, and it, it it it's it's quite shocking that it's like we repeat the same broken record, and we when we try and, and we're banging our heads against the wall, wondering why the music hasn't changed. So you know, I you know to wrap up you know this week's podcast, Lucas, I'm gonna throw it out to you, you know, for your final thoughts. Um, you know, as of recording, you know, we're we're looking into the the Leafs Rangers game. Um, you know, tonight. So I guess, you know, I'll, I'll leave it with you to kind of wrap things up and, and, and share your final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts. And again, it's unfortunate we're recording just before the game. So I don't have those thoughts after the New York Rangers games. But before the game, um, I'm happy that Austin Matthews is back. Um, that's cool. Um, I like the direction the team is trending. If they can just fix the defensive mistakes. I don't know if they're ever going to go away. If, if the, the brain dead plays are ever going to go away, that just seems like it's a part of this team's identity, but let's minimize and let's manage them. Um, you know what though, if I'm going to be honest with you, Pat, let's just go and enjoy what, what the Leafs show us for the next 80 games. I know we're going to obviously have many discussions about this, but I'm yep. not going to read too much into it right now because we've seen this movie way too many times. And yep. if I start freaking out now, it's going to be a long season. It so will be enjoy and, every single goal, every single save, every single penalty. I'm just, I'm just here to bask in it. No. And, and that's kind of, I kind of have now taken it to, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm going to, you know, I, I I'm not going to ride the, the super highs. I'm not going to, you know, get down on this team if they go on a couple game losing streak, 
it is what it is. I am confident they're a playoff team. And when the calendar turns to April and the playoffs start, that's when, you know, I, you know, for me is when I want to see if this team is different. I deep down, I think that the additions over the course of the summer, I still think that they look for an additional defenseman at the trade deadline. They had the last couple of years to give them some additional muscle on the back end, but this is still a playoff team. And I think eventually they break through the ceiling. I think last year's loss stung them. And I, and I, I really do believe in a different result. And I would be happy even if they win a couple rounds because then it shows progression. And for me, that's a big win because this team is too young, too talented and too skilled to, to not take us to the promised land. If we can just have a little bit more patience and keep them together as long as we can. Keep plugging away. Well, thanks everyone for listening to, you know, the Centerization podcast. Please head out to centerization.com and have a, a read of Anthony Sino's latest blog and continue to check us out on a weekly basis every Tuesday at noon. Thanks so much, everyone. Lucas, thank you again. Take care.